You're listening to the Two Fans Review Wrestling Podcast with your hosts, Eric Fry and Travis Sparks. Welcome in to the 15th episode of the Two Fans Review Wrestling Podcast. As the intro said, my name is Eric Fry. I'm joined by the co-host Travis Sparks. Travis, how you doing? Do you like that What's new, new uh, intro? I, I like the new, the new intro. The voice sounds familiar, but I did enjoy the. We're, we're kind of like ECW. Yes. You know, we, we're ECW right now. We're working towards that WCW level. We don't have the backing of a multi-millionaire. Yep. But that's okay because ECW at times was good. But if you know a multimillionaire, you can head them over yeah, to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash two fans podcast. Also, don't forget Facebook two fans review wrestling had a lot of new Facebook likes uh, recently. Uh, Twitter two fans yeah, review. We need w1. to transfer those Facebook likes to, to Twitter. We need more followers on, on Twitter. We'll that, see maybe what that'll we can give do me there. some motivation to actually we'll see what we can do uh, over there. Keep up on the Twitter. I've been saying that for several episodes, <laughs> and it hasn't happened. Over but. on Twitter, it's two fans review, then the letters W and one. Also, don't forget subscribe and rate and review Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Uh, new episodes come out every Tuesday, and if you subscribe, they just automatically download to your device. You don't even have to be, remember to go check it out. Just nope. automatically takes care of it. And uh, I will be honest, Travis, I was just right as we got ready to record this, looking at the numbers, they're going up. So thank you to those out yeah, there who are absolutely. tuning in. Maybe the first or second time you've tuned into the show. Welcome in, and uh, we're going to have some fun here. Yes, thank you for for the support. And uh, we're trying to build something here. We're building that from, from the ground up. And thank you. It takes time. It does. It takes time. But we are, like I said, we are 15 episodes in. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like that long. but No, not really. I love it. You ready to jump into the news? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Time for the news. We'll start with the ratings. Last Saturday night got a 2.6 rating, Travis. That is up from its previous week um, as well as the... Uh, Nitro, 2.6 as well. Yeah. Yeah. You want to know what Raw got? What did they get? 2.5. Ooh. Nitro beats out Raw and Saturday Night, Saturday night beats, beats out <laughs> Raw. Yeah. Funny but, how that works. But both ratings up. So are we starting to get to that, that point in time where we're attracting new fans finally to wrestling? I think there for a while during the beginning of the Monday Night Wars, it, you were trading them back and forth. Now, Nitro stayed the same. It went from a 2.6 to a 2.6, but Raw up from a 2.4 last week. So uh, it's improving, and Saturday Night up uh, as well from a 2.4 last Saturday as well. Let's get into the news. Top story this week is about various states trying to ban UFC and other MMA companies. Uh, it's all really interesting, but it's not really wrestling related until the end when how Dave talks about how this affected ECW. Yes, um, as the state uh, Connecticut legislator involved in trying to get UFC banned in the state also says that due to existing laws, he doesn't believe ECW style of wrestling is permitted in the state, setting its violent reputation. Now, obviously, this is ridiculous, but Paul Heyman has been forced to respond, clarifying that wrestling, uh, ECW is pro wrestling and not UFC, and that more people get hurt in boxing matches than in ECW. Now, the whole thing came about 
because there was some confusion about a new UFC copycat promotion starting up that ran their first shows in the Northeast that called itself Extreme Fighting Championships with some lawmakers confusing it with ECW. Right, they both have championship and extreme in their name, so of course regular regular folk would get those confused. Regular people who just, just don't, don't know. know. They don't know what is going on. All right, Vince McMahon responded to Phil Mushnick's New York Post story of potential witness tampering in a steroid case last year uh, with about a four-minute rant that aired on the WWF Superstars show in the New York market. We talked about this last week on Superstars. Yeah. And Travis, after some intense digging, mm-hmm. I found the clip. You are, found are the you ready for this? audio. Are you ready for this? All right, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, anything can happen here in the WWF. Here's a first. Some pre-recorded editorial comments from Vince McMahon. This is Vince McMahon of the World Wrestling Federation. I've always made it a point to refrain from personal commentary during WWF programming, but please permit me this one exception. As many of you know, several years ago, the World Wrestling Federation and I came under a vicious attack by the tabloid media led by one Phil Mushnick of the New York Post. It's been the equivalent, in my view, of journalistic stalking. As we found out, these stalkers apparently are not interested in the truth, as they have been heard to say in the tabloid newsroom, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Mr. Mushnick attempted to give credibility to this type of tabloid investigation by telling his readers the feds don't waste money on witch hunts. Now, most people, myself included, naively believe that government prosecutors and their investigators are the good guys. Unfortunately, I found this to not always hold true. I was constantly amazed at the utter lack of ethics of some of the good guys involved in my case, all of whom had demonstrable ties to Mr. Phil Mushnick. I watched the good guys lie to the media, lie to the judge, lie to the jury. I watched the good guys get caught because they tried to pressure my alleged co-conspirator into changing his prior sworn testimony. I watched as the good guys were forced to admit that they had destroyed evidence. And I saw the ultimate impact of the truth when the jury acquitted me and the World Wrestling Federation without us even having to put on a defense or call even one witness. Although I had a great deal to say about this unique life experience at the time after the trial, I did not. However, recent events compel me now to speak. The day before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Eve, Mr. Mushnick in the New York Post wrote two new articles. One article was entitled, Tampering Cloud Over Rustling Biggs Trial. It cites unnamed federal sources as suggesting that Marty Bergman, the husband of one of my attorneys, Laura Bavetti, tampered with witnesses, obstructed justice, and caused a baseless complaint to be filed against the good guys who were Phil Mushnick's cronies with the Justice Department. The article says that the good guys were exonerated, however, by the Justice Department 
even though it's a known fact that one of the case agents is leaving the government, and the prosecutor, Sean O'Shea, is also rumored to be leaving public service. Now, the WWF and I were exonerated by a jury of my peers. None of these good guys have ever been, nor in my view, ever would be exonerated in any fair public hearing as the WWF and I were. The second article actually goes to the absurd depth of quoting the ever-present unnamed sources as questioning the marriage of Laura Bavetti and Marty Bergman. Now, on a personal level, I wish to state that my heart goes out to my attorney, Laura Bavetti, and her husband, Marty Bergman. Laura was an integral part of our defense team, and she defends people with a passion and a vigor that is ennobling to see and experience. I also deeply resent any innuendo or accusation that my acquittal on the charges brought against me by the federal government was in any way tainted by any illegality by me or by my legal representation. These same keystone cops who wasted taxpayer dollars, these same yellow journalists who had to eat crow for telling lies, are once again incestuously joining forces, trying to drum up support for their own personal agenda, trying to manufacture some reason to save face, attempting to perpetuate some theory of witness tampering. Gentlemen, is that the best you can do? That postulation of witness tampering is about as far-fetched as the charges originally brought against me in the first place. The jury did not believe you then. Why should the public believe you now? Or should yellow journalists conspiring with vengeful federal officials be above reproach or even above the law? I don't think so. We're back at Vince McMahon right there with uh, his opinion of Mr. Phil Mushnick. I think that's just Vince them just saying that he wanted to do this, so they just rolled with it. I don't know if you were watching Superstars, if you really understood any of that or cared about any of that. I think that was just for Vince's own jollies. I, I think in the New York market you did. And again, we, we I guess heard from you said Dave. That it was, it was in the New York market where the New York Post is, where this was a big deal for a long time. So, and it, I also find it nice. It's the first time, and really only time you ever hear Vince talk about it. Right. You know, because even I remember the famous thing when he when he got acquitted. He's leaving the courtroom. People want to know why he's got his neck brace on from crashing his motorcycle, and and inter- people are interviewing him, wanting to know, and he's like. We're going to go back and have fun. We're not going to talk about this. We're going to go back and, and do our job and get fun back in, into what we're doing. This is really the first time he kind of openly came out and kind of talked about the uh, the issue a little bit. So, I liked it. I liked it. All right, moving on to other news. WCW has added a Sting versus Luger versus Flair triangle match at Starcade with the winner facing Randy Savage, as we know. Now, Sting and Luger are already scheduled for other matches. And due to the WCW vs. New Japan World Cup of Wrestling Tournament also happening that night, if either Sting or Luger wins the triangle match, they'll end up working four matches on one show. That's what we complained about from the very beginning with this whole whole thing. Yep. 
Ric Flair had an MRI and it was confirmed that he has a torn rotator cuff. He doesn't plan to take any time off and will work through it. In retrospective, that makes the Flair Sting match at World War III even more incredible since a 46-year-old Flair pretty much carried a near four-star match while being unable to lift one of his arms. I disagree. I didn't think it was a near four-star match. I didn't really enjoy that match. Well, the most entertaining parts about it was him doing Sting doing the Sting spots, Sting and Flair spots in yeah, each of the rings. In each of the rings, I guess that's true. Final buy rates from both WWF and WCW's most recent pay-per-views are in, and it's bad news for both. The WWF's numbers are abysmal. They're down to what WCW numbers used to be. As for WCW, they're also down to about the same pre-Hogan levels. When you factor in the huge cut Hogan is taking from each pay-per-view, it's just bad news all around for WCW. Yep, indeed. Triple uh, A is advertising a Star of Death cage match for our upcoming show with a cage shaped like the Jewish Star of David. Now, this ends up happening. This match happens, um, and we'll talk about it more in future uh, news segments. It, it becomes an all-time classic spot fest, but video of it, unfortunately, doesn't seem to exist anywhere. It seems like they never use this gimmick again. So if you have video of it, send it to us, review at gmail.com. Not that I could find. Star of death. I'll still keep doing some looking. I'll still keep doing some looking for you. New Japan have announced that uh, Antonio Noki will face Vader on the January 4th Tokyo Dome show. It will be Vader's first match since he was fired by WCW earlier this year, and his first match in New Japan since falling out with them in 92. Anoki versus Vader, 96 Tokyo Dome. I'm, I'd be up yep, for it. I'd take that. Jerry Lawler suffered a broken fibula in a match with Brad Armstrong, but isn't expected to be out long. USWA is still struggling with their weekly Monday night Memphis shows. As for the first time, their weekly Louisville shows on Tuesday have been constantly outdrawing Memphis. Now, the downturn in Memphis was sudden. started right around September, which Dave can only conclude is because Southern wrestling fans are staying home to watch WCW Nitro instead. Which, I mean, the, it's all there. Yeah, that's a good explanation. They're still doing a USWA versus Smoky Mountain wrestling angle on USWTV, even though Smoky Mountain is now defunct. Pretty much everyone in Smoky Mountain has contacted USWA looking for full-time work, though right now the only one USWA is taking is the late, great Tracy Smothers. Buddy Landell may end up in WWF and will be working the Rumble pay-per-view, but it's not guaranteed, according to Dave. The Heavenly Bodies, they show up somewhere else as the WF wasn't an option for the Heavenly Bodies because Jimmy Del Rey of the Bodies was involved in that mysterious legal case that currently has Tatanka suspended. So until that case is cleared up, WF is not interested in the bodies. Now, a tag team called the Headbangers have a WF tryout scheduled, but for now, they're working the indies. Everyone else is basically working indies and is basically out of luck as far as SMW goes. It's still selling videotapes and merchandise in order to pay off their debt. Bruce Pritchard was backstage at a recent ECW show. Bubba Ray Dudley got the best crowd reactions of anyone on the show, and Cactus Jack did another incredible promo, this time in a suit and tie with his hair slicked back and doing a puppet ventriloquism bit. We saw that last week. We did. It was amazing. He's hardcore. And what did I tell you? Bruce was there. He was. He was there. Yeah, I so. think I remember you saying that. It's pretty much a guarantee that Public Enemy is going to WCW, and their final ECW match will take place next month. There's that. Dynamite Kids expected to wrestle on the upcoming Stu Hart 50th anniversary show in Calgary, as well as be honored at the show. They're hopeful that Kid and Dian, uh, David Boy Smith can put their bad blood behind them for a night for the show. Nope, doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. In sad news, Little Beaver, the legendary midget wrestler, that's Dave's words, not mine, 
from the 60s and 70s died last week. He's most well known for getting splashed by King Kong Bundy at WrestleMania 3. And according to Wikipedia, the WrestleMania 3 match was his last match. He was injured during it because Bundy started stiffing him because he was annoying him. Beaver retired afterwards and blamed that match for forcing him to retire. Oh, little Beaver. Yep. I remember him getting squashed by Bundy. I do too. And then all the the little wrestlers turned on Bundy and, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. One year after headlining with Hogan, that's what Bundy was up to. <laughs> that's right up there, memorable moments from WrestleMania yeah. 3. There wasn't anything other things going on at that show. I don't think so. Oh, I don't remember. Ricky Steamboat is apparently involved in a lawsuit against WWF. Apparently in the lawsuit, WWF is claiming that they are the ones who took Steamboat from being just another no-name wrestler and made him a star. Dave says that WWF needs to learn a history lesson, so they learned that the world didn't start in 1984 and New York isn't the center of the universe. Steamboat was down in Florida and the Carolinas with Flair before 84. Yeah. yeah. So WWF has been sending guys to work for Carlos Colon's WWC in Puerto Rico. Recently, Hakushi and Mabel have both worked shows for them. This is only interesting because it's one of the rare times that Dave actually covers Puerto Rico. Dave, after Brody was murdered there, Dave really doesn't seem to go out of his way to talk about Puerto Rico too much. The Jenny Jones Show is possibly working on a show about wrestling, focusing on Eddie Gilbert and the Von Erich deaths. That sounds like a positive show. Jenny Jones. Really want to watch that. Um, talked about Nitro beating Raw in the ratings for this week round. Well, last week they beat as well, and that's because the show ran 10 minutes past the hour, which added an extra .2 ratings point. Thus, the first ever overrun on Monday nights, a tradition which continues, well, not now, but continued for up until 2019. Quite a while. Yeah. Quite the, a while. the raw overrun. Nitro did it first. Mm -hmm. And this one must have, this one that we're watching this yep. week must have did too, because yep. the runtime on the network was like 55 minutes. Yep. yep. That's definitely only too long. The first 50 eliminations of the World War III Battle Royal were planned. The final 10 were called on the spot by Hogan in the ring because they wanted to keep the finish a secret, even from the rest of the booking committee. Hogan really trying to keep those rag sheets from finding stuff out, aren't they? <laughs> right. The first 50 are planned, but the last 10 Hogan calls in the uh, ring. Right. And what does he do? He makes himself a controversial, sympathetic figure by calling it in the ring. Sure. I'm just, I... Now hearing that, I'm surprised he didn't go back to the... He kind of did in a way of making himself the focus mm -hmm. of the finish, but I'm surprised he didn't go back to what works like he always does. Oh, like yeah. Back to that uh, rumble with him and Sid and him getting pulled out yep. by Sid. Yep. The Diamond Doll was in a bikini in the latest issue of Muscle Mag International Magazine. There was no mention of her being involved in pro wrestling. So there's that oh. for it. The short-lived Thursday night replays of Raw have been canceled. WF never promoted it anyway because they were afraid people would wait until Thursdays to watch and it would hurt the Monday ratings against WCW. Fair point. Fair point. Pat Patterson is officially, official, has finally officially retired. He cleaned out his desk last week and is moving to Florida. That's the last we'll see of Pat Patterson on this journey, Travis. Nope. Oh, okay. Dean Douglas has two fractured vertebrae in his back and he's telling people he's thinking of quitting wrestling next year since he's already been accepted to medical school. Well, he is Dr. The dean. dean. He is the Dean. Yeah. And WWF receives some complaints about the finish to the Bret Hart Diesel Survivor Series match, which saw, saw Nash sit up and shout motherfucker right after he was pinned. They're trying to walk a fine line by making it more adult-oriented product without alienating fans or sponsors. It won't be easy, I think. 
but it may work out in the end for him. Come on, it was pay-per-view. That's my thing. It was pay-per-view. You can do a little bit more on yeah, pay-per-view. Right. And he was just mad he lost the match. He was mad. He was showing emotions. He was emoting. Of course. What, do you, what else was, do you want? He was emoting. Come on. I was pouring my heart out. For right. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. All right. You ready to get into some ECW? Yeah. All right, ECW. This is the December 5th ECW, if you want to follow along with us. And it starts out with a graphic saying, where the big boys don't play, they fight. Ooh, Ooh. shot at WCW there. Now, did they, now they don't play, but do they get paid? That's the question. Not ECW. I don't think uh, Heyman was bouncing checks yet, but. Uh, I remember I reading one story about it uh, a couple weeks back, gotcha. I think. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you never know. So we start with Terry Funk dumping out a trash can full of weapons. That's how the show starts. Yep. Uh, Richards then gets put in a shopping cart and ran into the post. By the way, this is Funkin' Dreamer versus Raven and Cactus Jack from November to Remember. Uh, Funk with a shovel, a cactus. Dreamer with a VCR and a remote to Raven. Funk with a dustpan to Cactus. Dreamer then hits Raven with the VCR. Funk then starts going after the ref with the dustpan. Right. He does. What and, did the ref do? And Joey says, oh, he probably made a bad call back in 1987. Poor guy. Poor ref. <laughs> uh, Raven. Uh, there's a uh, golf club in there, there's too. There's a golf club. Uh, Raven then gets a, a dustpan to the head. DDT by Dreamer to the ref. He DDTs the ref. Yeah. Uh, a putter to Raven's groin. A cheese grater to Raven by Dreamer. At that point, I noticed that Cactus Jack is wearing a Dungeon of Doom shirt. Yeah, homemade. Homemade Dungeon of Doom shirt. Airbrush. Yeah, that's so airbrush. Yes. That's so nineties. Yes. <laughs> uh, Raven then gets a toilet seat lid. He's got it around Funk's neck. Raven with a dustpan of Dreamer. Raven and Cactus clothesline Dreamer with the chain. And a bloody Raven poses as we cut. We come back. Uh, Dreamer. It's not really a cut. It was a fade. It's it like was a, a weird. Fade. Yeah. Someone's getting creative on the effects. <laughs> Dreamer hits two DDTs to Raven. Now Dreamer's busted open like Raven. Don't know why. Don't know how. It just happened while we were away. Dreamer then hits a pile driver to Raven on a chair. And Funk pins Raven for the win. Very important. Funk pins Raven, not Dreamer. Mm-hmm. Cactus is back in the ring. He puts the boots to Dreamer. Cactus then with a DDT on... I don't know who you hit a DDT on. I just, my notes say Cactus with a DDT on Blunder. <laughs> I don't know who Blunder is. I think it was Dreamer. I think it was Dreamer. Dreamer, and now Cactus is wearing an Eric Bischoff shirt. Eric Bischoff shirt, and on the back it says, head. forgive me, Uncle Eric. Yep. Good touch, I like that. Uh, Dreamer hits a super kick to Richards, who comes in. He then wraps the barbed wire. Oh, it was a DDT on barbed wire. That cactus did and then dreamer wraps the barbed wire around raven's head we cut cactus and funk are fighting in the aisle jack with a chair shot and eric bischoff shirt and that's the end and i I know we say it every week i'm gonna (laughs) say it again this looked like a heck of a brawl a heck of a hardcore fun match Mm -hmm. why i wish it wasn't cut right you can find the uncut version it's on the network it was on the Mick Foley, Greatest Hits and Misses DVD. That's where I first saw this match. Mm-hmm. Uncut in its entirety. It's a beautiful match. 
Right, and you would expect since it's got so much TV yeah. time with, with Cactus and well, all of them really got time to talk about it and promos, and we it felt like ru- it was a little bit rushed for, for the show. And, and one of the, the best things about that match is the very beginning because Cactus and Raven come out, and they're all ready, and then Dreamer and Funk come out, and Dreamer and Funk get in the ring, and Raven and Cactus get out of the ring, and then Dreamer and Funk go out, and then Cactus and Raven slide in and say, come on, come and get us. And they did that for a little bit, which I, mm-hmm. psychology-wise, it makes sense yeah. that, you know, it, it, it would have just been nice to see. And if you're going to cut it, then show us the highlights. Because it seemed like they, they tried to get like a, basically the final 10 minutes right. they tried to fit in. And it's like, I want to see from beginning and if you cut a little bit here and there but show me yeah don't just start the show with terry funk emptying a trash can full of weapons well then the first the first part was just everybody hitting each other with the weapons right. the assorted weapons that funk jumped out and if you and if you want to be like oh it's a vcr it's ecw you wouldn't see someone get hit with a vcr anywhere else okay like i but anyways after that we go backstage to a promo with funk and dreamer funk says that tommy is a great kid He's proud of Tommy. Funk says there comes a time that Funk feels he just can't be much help to Tommy. Funk says it's time to go. Tommy starts crying. Funk says it's time to get out of the business. Funk says it's by choice and he will never forget what Tommy Dreamer did and calls him a great kid and says he loves the hardcore people and the fans and he's very proud of Tommy and he wishes he had the same ability and desire he had years ago, but time has passed and Funk's going to go down the road. He will see us, see all of us at home and see Tommy again, but it won't be wrestling. And Tommy says that every time he wrestles, he won't forget what Funk did for him. <laughs> I saw you have a drink there. You're pouring out one for to- yeah. Terry Funk? <laughs> pouring out for the Funker. For the Funker. Sounds like it's it's the final. It's the final. It's the end. So the end of an era. we then get a, a Terry Funk ECW career retrospective video. <laughs> And I put my notes, see in about a year, Terry Funk, if not sooner. <laughs> right. We'll see how long that retirement, retirement lasts. Retirement is never retirement in wrestling. And he was talking about how he's going to go Funk. home and spend time with his wife, and he owes it to her and his family. And spoiler alert, no, Beyond the Mat has not yet been filmed. <laughs> so if you've seen that movie, you know the outcome of this story. Yeah. And what in the hell is this music that they got for this tribute? No. It wasn't it good. It didn't even sound... It sounded like a generic thing that they just tried to rip the lyrics off of, mm-hmm. but I can't even tell if it no. was a known song or not. It, but it wasn't great. It's a sad country yeah. song. We come back. Joey welcomes us to ECW. Thanks for welcoming us now, Joey. ECW, he says, will continue to revolutionize the sport, even without Terry Funk, who's... Okay, I love Terry Funk. Mm -hmm. We have been doing 15 episodes of ECW. I would say Terry Funk has been important and on three. Mm -hmm. It's been few. Quit talking about how we're going to continue to revolutionize without Terry Funk. He hasn't been there. Right. But come on. Tommy says that the code... That Terry Funk teaches, Tommy now takes great responsibility, says he's born hardcore, and if he has to, he'll die hardcore. Die. And then we get the opening video. <laughs> As you do. As you do. We then come back, and uh, Joey talks about this Saturday night, Mikey versus Sandman versus Austin. 
And we also find out very sneakily hidden in is that woman is now managing two gold Scorpio. Which mm-hmm. I knew that they Salmon was the tag team champion, but I didn't know woman was managing right. Scorpio yeah. as well. We then get a recap of the entire Mikey versus Sandman versus Austin feud. Now, this all started because Mikey Whipwreck defeated Marty Jannetty in a battle royal to face the Sandman, and he lost to Sandman in a super quick match. Yes, that is what started this whole feud. It started it all. If only Marty would have won. We could right. be looking at Marty as your ECW yeah, world champ. Yeah, and then Sandman versus he wouldn't, Marty He wouldn't Jannetty. be on WWF going to nope. In Your House. He'd be in ECW feuding with Austin and Sandman. I don't know which is better. What could have been? What could have been? Mikey then does a promo to challenge Sandman to a cane match. Um, Mikey then lit up a cigarette, which I found funny. He um, didn't really light it up. No. He, he tried. Yeah, he tried. Poor Mikey. Uh, Mikey lost the cane match, so he got his lashes. Mikey then pins Sandman in a non-title match in August. This kind of recapping what we didn't see. Um, so Sandman then beat the crap out of Mikey after the match. Uh, Austin then joined the rivalry by coming out at the Sportland Cafe in September. Recap of Austin uh, with the ladder taking woman. Mikey winning the belt. Um, back to Joey, who says the whole thing came to a head in November to remember. We then get a recap of Mikey versus Austin November to remember. And Joey then hypes the triple threat match. That's it. Thank you. Back with a recap from last week, talking about the pit bulls and public enemy and public enemy saying, if you're not careful, we'll turn it into seven on three or whatever. And then the pit bulls responding, saying, don't forget whose side you're on. And Joey says that public enemy and pit bulls are not happy being partners with each other, but a common enemy took advantage of the situation. We then go to fan cam footage of Bubba dancing. Yeah. Bubba's dancing. Um, pretty well too very well <laughs> very well and i put the mat is red the ropes are yellow and this looks weird it does <laughs> it's it's it does look a little weird rock or rock offers to shake bubba's hand they do bubba then um attacks rock i guess this is a match and bubba tries to say my name is bubba 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 and then john grunge hits him in the cookie seat sheet and as bubba's falling backwards he goes my name is bubba ray dudley and he falls <laughs> That's, that good. that's good. Yes, that's good. Bubba funny. is over. Yeah. It Would seemed you... like the fans were, were loving it when he was dancing and yep. then him doing that. That's fine. I have a spoiler for you, Travis. Uh-huh. Next week. I've already started next week watching ECW. Already ahead. You will see the Dudley's Bubba is over. <laughs> yeah, like is. Rover. Yeah, like Rover. Joey says, I have never seen anything like that in all my life, of Bubba saying his name while he yeah. fell down. Uh, Public Enemy then hitting the Dudleys with cookie sheets. We cut, and Public Enemy hits the drive time on DWD, um, but the ref is breaking up a fight between, I think, Bubba and one of the Public I don't This isn't well shot. It's fan cam. I know. If we're going to have a big moment, you need to have it well lit, well shot. Just saying. It's an ECW house show. What are you expecting? Don't do good things on house shows. Important things on house shows. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, these fan cams show you on when you're watching on television mm-hmm. that anything can happen on a house show. You don't know if anything significant can happen on a house show. So that entices people to, to go, even though about the most significant thing that I've ever been involved in in a house show was... Uh, William Regal, mm. 
his debut. Nice. And he basically did the same thing in on Raw the very next night. Right. Uh, on Raw, so William Regal debut. That's about it. I got to in see, WWF. I got to see Warrior Crush Vader in eight seconds. Mm. I was very upset because I thought it was going to be a long match because I liked both you of them. saw Warrior. I saw Warrior. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Was it the future or the past? Right. Which, which, hmm. Right, right. Have to wait wish, on that one. I wish I would have went to a WCW house show. Because I experienced the WWF house show, yeah. but I did They didn't run a lot of house shows. I know. Hmm. I've, I almost went to a Nitro one time. Didn't. Yeah, I would have loved to have done that. Just to see what it was like. Richards then hits a super kick, but Rocker Rock kicks out. Grunge with a chair shot to DW and a roll up for the win. Richards then comes in and starts attacking Public Enemy. The Dudleys, the rest of them are now in as well. Raven is now in as well. Raven and Grunge go out to the floor. Bubba with a second rope splash, but Dreamer is in. Dreamer is getting double teamed by Raven and Richards. Public Enemy attack Richards and Raven. The Eliminators are now in attacking Public Enemy. The Pitbulls then come in after the Dudleys. Public Enemy and the Pitbulls work together, but Grunge got hurt by accident. Tommy then tries to play moderator as the two teams kind of go at each other. The two teams start arguing. Um, Dreamer tries to stop it, but Raven attacks Dreamer. The Dudleys and Eliminators are back in. The face is clean house again. Rock then hits the drive-by on Richard's arm. Richard's screaming about how his arm is broken. And at that point, Jimmy Del Rey and Tom Pritchard of the Heavenly Bodies come in and start attacking everyone with chairs. Everyone. At, at first. Yeah. The bodies then start attacking the pit bulls and public enemy. So I guess because SMW shut down, they are looking for some work. Uh, and then put this as a cluster on an awful camera. And Stevie says, make them pay bodies. But first... Pritchard started going after Bubba, and Bubba had to tell him, not me, them. <laughs> right, right. He doesn't watch the product. <laughs> jo- Joey is very excited to see the Heavenly Bodies, particularly when uh, Jimmy Del Rey gets on the screen, and I said, no one, absolutely no one has ever been that excited to see Jimmy Del Rey. Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey. Good Lord. Come on, Travis. Former SMW World mm-hmm. Tag Team Champion. Joey says they raided the merchandise stand because they have ECW shirts yep. on. Back and Todd Gordon is out checking on everyone along with damage control. Oh, good. Todd Gordon's yeah. back. Gordon now is motioning for help and out comes Mikey and Hack Myers. Great. Those are two guys who I'm, if I'm hurt, I want Mikey, the world champion, to come out and help me. The Shaw. And the Shaw. And then I put, why do they have a Hulk Hogan ring? It's red, the ropes are yellow, the posts are red, the skirt is yellow. It is a red and yellow ring, brother. Hey, it's ECW. <laughs> we got to take what we can get, brother. Rock thing gets helped to the back by Hack Myers. Uh, Pitbull hair is helped by a ref. Pitbull bald is helped by damage control. And Tommy's just helped out by a young dude in a shirt. Don't know who this like is. It may have been. Uh, he was just in like a plaid button-up right. shirt. Didn't know who it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, backstage and Stevie's with the bodies. Joey recaps what we just saw. The bodies were hanging out with Raven supposedly, and when all this happened, they just came down because they're, I guess, friends with Raven. I don't. Know. Uh, Del Rey stole merchandise, like you said. Uh, that's when Bubba tells him not to hit me. Joey says that Raven is a Gen X slacker and that Richards is in charge of the bodies, and that's the end of the show. And this may have been, might as well have been called ECW 
the recap show. Basically. It was not a good episode of ECW. No, not one of its strongest. It was lots of recaps. Mm-hmm. You could have skipped this and not missed not anything missed besides anything, the, really. the bodies coming at the end if you care about that. Right. If you wanted to be disappointed mm-hmm. for the finish of the f- kind of the feud, the big match with yep. Raven and Cactus and Dreamer yep. and Funk, and you missed Funk's retirement match. Well, yeah. But other than that. You didn't get to see it in full anyways. No. So, it wasn't... Not as strong as... Not a strong episode of ECW. Joey does say that the stakes have now been raised for Ultimate Jeopardy. Oh, they have. That's what he said. We don't know why. (laughs) I mean, we know because I read last week about who's going to be in Ultimate Jeopardy. But... Apparently, the stakes have been raised. They've been raised. Well, great. Fantastic, Joey. Thank you for adding that little insight. Mm -hmm. All right, you ready to go from... Bad to worse. It's worse. It gets worse. It gets worse, I think. And oh, that is boy. WWF Superstar. All right. WWF Superstars, it starts off with a video package hyping Savio Vega versus Bob Backlund in the main event. And Savio. Mr. Bob Backlund. Oh, I'm sorry. And Savio says that he is going to put spice on Backlund's chicken wing, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> well, a little I'm Caribbean sure. spice on yeah, your chicken wing. Exactly. I don't know what that means. Vince Perfect and it says Bob Backlund are doing commentary, but I think that's supposed to be Jim Ross. But I don't know because Ross was taken out, so exactly. maybe it is Bob Backlund. Maybe it is. Which in that case uh, <laughs> Right. Our opening contest, Diesel pins Rad Radford after a jackknife in a minute thirty. Yep. Diesel makes his first entering appearance since Survivor Series, sporting his old black sunglasses, living up to his word of only slapping hands with fans that have black gloves. This match is nothing. The win ends a four-match losing streak for Diesel. McMahon then afterwards tries to interview Diesel after the match, but Diesel blows him off. As you do. Hey, I ain't got he's time. he's Big Daddy Cool. You're not wearing a black glove, Vince. Nope. I won't talk to you. Nope. He's just a suit. I got to get back and check on Sean. Right. Yeah. Uh, Bob Backlund is then shown talking to Dean Douglas backstage. Then get footage of the British Bulldog pinning Bret Hart at SummerSlam 92 as Vince emphasizes that the Bulldog has Bret's number. Speaking of the Bulldog, he's in action next as he beats Al Phillips with a running power slam in 241. Great. <laughs> the bull- Gotta keep him strong. Yeah. It says the Bulldog has a much easier time dispatching Phillips than he did Bob Holly on Raw, although that does not stop the Bulldog from using a long chin lock or using the same finish as the Holly match in this squash. Doc Hendrickson brings back the Slam Jam to hype the Nassau Coliseum card for January 5th, which is billed as Tag Team Warfare. In one match, Sid and the 1-2-3 Kid will face Razor Ramon and Diesel. And in the other tag match, Bret Hart and The Undertaker will face Owen Hart and Yokozuna. Bret then cuts a generic promo about how being WWF champion is hard and Owen and Yoko are going down. As you do. It's hard to be the champ. Video package recaps the Razor and Marty 1-2-3 kids said feud. Uh, Hunter Helmsley is then on an Arkansas hog farm once again. He says that the living conditions of the pigs are disgusting. Henry Godwin counters that pigs are his family, and Helmsley will be face down in the mud in your house. Great. Mm -hmm. Barry tells people that time's running out to buy a denim jacket for $59.75. The mayor of merchandise. You want one of those jackets, don't you? 
Well, the Shawn Michaels one doesn't look. The the lettering looks good, but the mm-hmm. picture questionable. But yeah, I definitely want one of those. For, take one of those for fifty seven. Fifty seven bucks. I don't know. That seems a little high. Fifty nine. Fifty nine. Yeah, it's a little high priced, including shipping and handling. But I would definitely get that Undertaker one for sure, or Bret Hart really. Yokozuna then pinned John Crystal after the bonsai drop in fifty seven seconds. So there you go. That's gotta keep Yoko strong. Uh finished him with a nasty looking bonsai drop and refusing to get off the hapless jobber until Cornette and Owen intervene. We get a recap of Brother Love giving King Mabel a custom made casket for In Your House on Raw is War. Not yet, but The Undertaker delivers a tape promo where he promises Mabel that his day of retribution is coming. Great. Bob Backlund comes to the ring and introduces Dean Douglas, noting that he is not afraid to discipline American youth. So Backlund gives Douglas a paddle, which he says is a board of education. Backlund and Douglas would have made a good tag team during this era, but the company never went in that direction with them. I agree. They would have been wow. a heck of a team. They would be. You know, yeah. It would have been a good idea. That could have had Dean a- Douglas doing all the bumping. and. Yeah. yeah. I kind of like that now that you're saying yep. it. Next match, Dean Douglas beat Tony Williams after the final exam in a minute 14. Ahmed Johnson speaks in the split screen during the bout, saying that Douglas has made a mistake calling him out. So, there you go. Um, Perfect then gets upset that Douglas is using his Perfect Plex as his finisher. Mm -hmm. I can kind of see that. I think he mentioned that on Survivor Series as well. Uh, Douglas then smacks Williams with his new paddle after winning the match. So, already going cartoonish with this character. I do like Best of luck in your future endeavors. Board of education, though. Best of luck <laughs> in your future endeavors. We then get footage of Bob Macklin's recent chicken wing spree. We then get Savio cutting a Spanglish promo, noting that Macklin had no business putting Jim Ross in the crossface chicken wing last week because Ross was not a wrestler. Agreed. Agreed. Travis talked about that last week. Mm-hmm. Bob Macklin wrestled Savio Vega to a double countout in five minutes and 31 seconds. Predictably, Macklin stalls a ton. There's no sustained action in the match until both men end up on the floor where Backlund puts Savio in the chicken wing and both men get counted out. This was hardly the best way to put Backlund over before he faces Bret Hart on Raw. And it was the worst televised match for the company in 1995. It gets a dud. Wow. Yes. That's some heavy words. Doc Hendrick continued to discuss the Nassau Coliseum card, which will also feature the Smoking Guns defending the WF Tag Team titles against Jerry Lawler and Isaac Yankum. All right. Razor Ramon says that he and Diesel will carve up Sid and the 123 Kid. And the New Haven Coliseum on January 6th will feature Ahmed Johnson against the British Bulldog. We then get a replay of Dr. Jeffrey Unger talking about Shawn Michaels' medical condition on Raw. And are you ready, Travis, for next week? What's on Superstars? Superstars next week. I'm sure you're going to love it. Uh Ahmed Johnson faces Isaac Yankum. Yep. Aldo Montoya wrestles Goldust. Uh-huh. And Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Razor, and Marty will all be in action. Okay. So. Nice little show. Yep. Now, because it bugged me last week. On last week's show, we talked about Sean's doctor. Quote, unquote. Mm-hmm. So I did some research. Uh-huh. On Dr. Jeffrey Unger. Uh-huh. I think he may be real. But the problem is there's a lot of them. Sure. I didn't know Jeff Unger, Jeffrey Unger, was a popular name. 
but he has there's one out in Rancho Cucamonga, California. He has over 41 years of experience in the medical field. So I think this is the guy. Maybe. But if he is the guy, he's an endocrinologist, diabetes, and metabolism specialist. So he should not be talking about Shawn Michaels' head. Right. Not not the guy. No. There's another Dr. Jeffrey Unger who has over 27 years of experience, but he's in Bridgewater, New Jersey right now. Mm-hmm. He's a gastroenterologist. So again... Shouldn't be talking about Shawn Michaels' head. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I went down a rabbit hole looking for Dr. Jeffrey Unger. And, uh, yeah. He does have Google reviews, by the way. One star, two months ago. Quote, a patient's health does not seem to be a priority for this firm. Oh, that's not good for the good doctor. No. Been a patient almost three years, and I have an infusion every eight weeks for a condition I have. If I do not get the infusion on time, my condition worsens seriously. However, they recently changed their insurance, blah, 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 blah. So one stars. He's averaging three and a half stars out of the eight reviews. That's the one in New Jersey. So there you go. I went down a rabbit hole. Now, this guy kind of looks like he's 67 now. Kind of looks like the guy who was on Raw. Could kind of see it, yeah. So I want to know more about him. So if you know if that really was Sean's action, oh, if this was, if this was Sean's doctor, he has one disciplinary action as he provided false information to the medical board in 2000. Physician misled and proved false and inaccurate information to the state board of Nevada. Hmm. Dun dun dun. Shame, shame. Shame, shame. I wish they had like careers about these doctors because I want to know more. I want to know if he's he's a third generation physician, board certified family doctor, both acute and chronic disease disorders, intestinal diabetes management, and medical management of substance abuse orders. So maybe he was seeing Sean. If he helps with substance abuse, including alcohol, opioids, heroin, and stimulants. He also teaches worldwide on topics related to migraines and diabetes. So, maybe. If you can help us out with this, it's going to bug me until I find the answer. So, maybe next week I'll have another update on Dr. Jeffrey Unger. Jeffrey Unger. Didn't know we were going down that rabbit hole, did you? No, I did not. Something else I bet you didn't know that I was going to let you know about this week we saw it on the Tour de Force last week. The WWF was in Chicago. Do you want to know what happened at that Chicago house show, Travis? What happened? Ahmed Johnson beat Rad Radford. Comma, Skip, and Isaac Yankum. That's a heck what of a, a team. team. They defeated Barry Horowitz, Hakushi, and Doink. Doink? Doink. Out of nowhere. Goldust Gold beat Bob, Bob Holly. Uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley beat Henry Godwin in a slot bucket match. The Smoking Guns beat Owen Hart and Yoko. Razor beat Sid. The Bulldog beat Diesel via disqualification. And Bret Hart wrestled The Undertaker to a double countout. Double countout. In your main event. Ugh. Non-finish. Go figure. If I went to that house show, I'd be very disappointed. Spent my money on a no-finish. Mm-hmm. All right. You ready to move on? Yeah. All right. WCW Saturday night. 
All right, WCW Saturday night. Start out with the Blue Bloods with Jeeves beating Buck Quartermain and Butch Long in eight minutes and seven seconds. Uh, yeah. Um, by the way, um, Jeeves, this is his debut. Ask Jeeves. No, they had a little manager named Jeeves, who's played by Gary Hedrick. If you don't know who that is, he was under the Wildcat Willie costume. Ah. Yes. Uh, Dusty immediately jumps on the silliness of the name Jeeves, calling him Chives. And the act does not warrant serious consideration as Regal and Earl Robert Eaton seem to be annoyed by the guy right after they come out. So there you go. Uh, Regal wins with the Regal stretch. So there you go. In a great piece of healing, Regal puts his hand over Long's mouth, not allowing the jobber to tell the ref that he has given up. So he has to stay in the hold a little bit longer. Gene interviews Randy Savage. Savage makes fun of Tenson's name and says his priority is who wins the triangle match and defending his title against them at on pay-per-view. And it's amazing to see WCW pivot away from the World Cup tournament and start selling this triangle match as the focal point of the show. Like, there at the beginning, like all the hype packages for Starcade yeah. are about invasion. They're coming over. And now on TV, it's like, that's still kind of there but it's in the background triangle there's a triangle match and their winner's gonna face the champion mm-hmm. it would have been nice to see some of these japanese stars on tv so that we could kind of understand their momentum and who they are right sure but yeah. bobby bobby heenan kind of explains that on, on the show that they're training right now well that's what they're doing i'd much rather want them on tv <laughs> In a TV title match, Johnny B. Bad beat the Disco Inferno after a tutti-frutti in eight minutes. There you go. Uh, it got two and a half stars. Next up, Chris Benoit and Brian Pillman beat Dino Casanova and Frankie Lancaster when Benoit pins Casanova after a dropkick dragon suplex combination. I like that. Mm-hmm. like that a lot. Yeah, uh, I like that scene. Okerlund then interviews Ric Flair, who says he has been waiting for more than a year to get back in the WCW title picture, and he says he likes his chances to walk the aisle and become champion at Starcade. We get Hugh Morris with the one-man gang pinning Mark Thorne after the No Laughing Manor in 203. Great. The Super Assassins wrestled the Nasty Boys to a double countout in 507. Ugh. 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 Yeah. Uh, it got a half a star, by the way. A tape segment sees Sonny Ono, who gives his New Japan squad a pep talk. He tells Koji uh, Kanemoto and Shinjiro Otani to take out WCW's champions. Jushin Liger, who is the only person on the squad too cool to wear a suit, to fly high. Masahiro Chono to lock in an SDF. Masa Saito to be Mr. Torture. And the U.S. champion Kensuke Sasaki that he will soon be world champion. Tensan must not have been able to be bothered to attend but he has also missed participating in showcase matches on Pro and Worldwide. So that's where the Japanese are. They're on Worldwide. Pro and Worldwide. Right. Two big shows to get over the Japanese talent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, we then get the Zodiac beating Chris Sawyer after a hangman's neck breaker in a minute 24. This is Zodiac's first singles match since losing to Randy Savage at Halloween Havoc. Great. Oakland then interviews Sting, who ditches the face paint and just wears sunglasses. Sting says that he looks forward to facing the Horsemen with Hulk Hogan on Raw, that Kensuke Sasaki will be on his turf for Starcade, and that he will be holding nothing back in the Starcade triangle match. 
Sounds like a very generic, dumb promo. Right, it does. Eddie Guerrero then beat Big Bubba Rogers via disqualification when Rogers throws Guerrero over the top rope in 1326. Good old over the top rope DQ. For a DQ? Yeah. Ugh, lame. Yep. Rogers becomes frustrated, tossing Guerrero over the top rope after he catches a springboard flying body press effort. The story of the match was excellent, but his pacing could have been improved. Lots of chin locks by Rogers messed up the flow. It's still got three stars. Pretty nice. We know that Eddie is calling Dave. That's what we we found out (laughs) here. After the bell, Rogers beats up Guerrero until Hacksaw Jim Duggan comes out of the stands and forces Rogers to flee with his 2x4. And then Duggan helps Guerrero to the locker room as the show goes to a commercial break. Come back. And Oakland interviews uh, Luger and Jimmy Hart. And Luger says that Japanese wrestlers are genetically shortchanged. He tells Ric Flair that he is the new man in WCW. And next week, we'll see Johnny B. Bad, Johnny B. Bad in action against Brian Pillman. Sting faces Craig Pittman. And the Disco Inferno will be there as well. Oh, happy day. Cool. Oh, happy day, Travis. Do you want to watch uh, Saturday night? No. Okay. Well, no. We won't then. We'll move on to something we did watch, and that is Monday Night Raw. All right, so Monday Night Raw starts off with, I'm just, I I just, Travis, I got to play it. I have to play this opening for Raw. Okay. Tonight, ER comes to the World Wrestling Federation. Mr. Backlund is the carrier of an infectious disease known as the cross-faced chicken wing. Yeah, and WWF champion Bret Hart has been identified as patient zero. Two weeks ago on Raw, the hitman was the first to suffer from the painful side effects. Yeah, and that incident triggered another outbreak. It appears from all accounts that no one is immune. Not even you, McMahon. Tonight, the hitman will attempt to inoculate Mr. Backlund once and for all. Three weeks ago, the collective hearts of WWF fans stopped when Shawn Michaels collapsed. Tonight, Shawn Michaels speaks for the first time since that shocking incident. So yeah, that's how Raw starts out. Vince, just because ER is a very popular television show at the time, does not mean you will get viewers by just saying the words ER. It all tied in with medical terms, and I'm surprised that it actually happened. But here's the other thing. They say in that little promo that Bret Hart is patient zero. No, he's not, because Backlund has put the chicken wing on many people. No, he's just starting it right now. Forget Uh, about the history of uh, Mr. Bob Backlund and Bret Hart before. It's only uh, lasted a couple weeks. All right, we get the raw intro, and Vince and Lawler run down the show tonight. And I notice, I think I have it a little bit later on, but they're at a different arena than they have been for the past couple ones. This was taped the day after the other two were. So it's still mm-hmm. not live. Right. But a different place the next day makes it feel a little different fresh. Venue. Makes Absolutely. it feel fresh. Absolutely. And this is the go home. It is. The go home for in your house. And we start out with Owen Hart facing Jeff Hardy. How about that? Welcome mm-hmm. to the podcast. Yes. Uh, Owen's out with Yoko, Cornette, and Fuji. I put Jeff looks so young. He does. I don't think he's 16 at this point. He really does. He's so young. <laughs> Owen with a punch and chops. Owen with a shoulder block, but Jeff with a hip toss and an arm ringer. Diesel is shown watching the match backstage. Owen with a knee to the gut. Yeah, Diesel's watching the match backstage. He's got his feet up, oh, propped yeah. up on, hey, I gotta, on a case. He's got to relax while I'm watching, man. He's relaxed. He's cool, man. You can't see it because it's by his chair, but you know he's got a glass of Pinot <laughs> right course, there. Of course, Right there. 
Uh, Owen with a backbreaker. Diana is shown sitting in attendance. Owen with an uppercut. Uh, I put then this is a different arena. Uh, Owen with a suplex. Jeff counters, sends Owen headfirst into the buckle. Owen with a clothesline that flipped Hardy inside out. Owen then hits a big missile dropkick, and he gets ready to go for the sharpshooter, but goes, nah, and just does a roll-up for the win. Right. But what kind of roll-up was it? Uh, what was it? It was a jackknife roll-up. A jackknife. Is that but what the com- it? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the commentators did not put it over. I think that's what Owen was, was trying to go for, for, was probably. that it was a jackknife roll-up. Nope. But... They missed it. Went over their heads. When Vince and JR are on the call, you can't guarantee that that's yeah. going to... Or King, yes. JR would have gotten it. He would have. Absolutely. Uh, Yoko's now making his way into the ring. Yoko with a bonsai drop to Jeff. Yoko gets up. Owen then puts the sharpshooter on Hardy. Diesel now makes his way out to the ring. Owen runs away, but Yoko gets attacked. Diesel with a clothesline, a big boot, sends Yoko out to the floor. And Diesel poses post-match. And what does the crowd do? They react very positively to Diesel. Yep. Because he's a badass again. He he's is. just beating people up. He is. Yep. We get a graphic that says, up next, Todd interviews Sean. Nope. It's not, that's not <laughs> Swerve. next. Swerve. It's not next. <laughs> Bait next, switch. Next, we have Asari versus Aja Kong. Uh, Kong starts out attacking Asari but gets countered. Sorry. What with- type of Asari? Uh, what type of Power Ranger is she? She's the Red Ranger. Yeah, she was wearing red. Um, I thought the Red Ranger was male. He is. Yellow and pink are the only females. Yep. Mm-hmm. But she looked like a Power Ranger almost. Maybe she was auditioning. She's or or like a costume for a karate fighter. Oh, we'll see karate fighters later Very on. Well. Uh, sorry with two cartwheel kicks. Kong then just stops Asari and just stands there. And Asari runs into her and attacks her. Uh, sorry with two or Kong with two hair mares and a few kicks to the back. Kong with a big kick and a punch to the head. Kong with a big delayed suplex for one because she pulls Asari up. Mm-hmm. Kong then hits a spinning package pile driver. Yep. For a two package pile driver. After Kong picks her up, they don't do normal pile drivers in the WWF. Here she is doing the a spinning package. package pile driver. Right. And somewhere a little kid in Canada is watching this and goes, "Hmm." That may be a move I could use someday. That's a good idea. And that kid's that's name is Kevin a, Steen, a.k.a. A Owens. Uh, Vince is going to be on AOL oh, yes. tonight. Yes. We'll see a graphic about it later on in case on you forget. Yep. Kong with another kick to the back. Another one to the front. A big splash, but Kong again picks her up. Um, Asari's drop kicks just get swatted away. Asari uh, tries to fire back with lefts and rights, but Kong just headbutts her. Uh, Kong with a scoop slam, but Kong misses the second rope splash. Sorry, misses a twisting mood salt. What a maneuver by Vince. Right. Um, and Kong hits a devastating spinning back fist for the win. Yeah, that looked brutal. Uh, Kong again motions for the belt. And the sorry has a bloody nose as we end the segment. But yeah, Kong that was a wicked. And again, backhand. I will say, going back to Survivor Series and Bruce Pritchard's podcast, mm-hmm. no. Bertha Faye is going to be the face of the women's division. We weren't building to Aja Kong because oh, yeah. because just because Dave likes her doesn't mean that's who we were building to. It was all about Bertha Faye. Oh, yeah. Why wasn't Bertha Faye being a sorry then? Yeah. <laughs> Why was it Kong in basically a showcase match? Oh, yeah. And then after the match, what does she do? Motion for the belt again. Mm-hmm. That's the second time now. You don't have her. Once I could see her maybe doing it out of her own... 
kind of thing. But mm-hmm. twice well, she beat beat Blaze. She yep. pinned her at Survivor Series, so that made sense. But I can't wait till the Rumble when we get that match. I can't. I can't either. Uh, unfortunately, the you get kind of taken out of this match because Jerry Lawler, instead of putting over the females in the ring, he all he could do is make fat jokes yep. about how fat Aja Kong is. Yep. Thank you a lot, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for thanks King. Thanks for showing up. Yep. We then go to Todd with a sit-down interview with Shawn Michaels and Travis. I think I'm just gonna put it right here. He's back. Look at that mug. The face known all over the world. That could only belong to one human, the charismatic, the flamboyant, the one and only heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Man, this is so this is so cool. Thank, Thank you, you for doing much, this. Thank you very much, Todd. Sounds to me like you uh, have been reading my press and believing it, too, which, which is not bad. It's what I do, so by all <laughs> means, continue. All right, Sean, let me get right into it and ask you certainly a question that all the fans of the World Wrestling Federation want me to ask you, and that's how you're doing physically. The outpouring, their concern has been un. Unbelievable, really overwhelming. Since you collapsed in the ring on Raw, everybody wants to know just one thing. And I guess I want to hear it from your lips. How are you feeling physically? Well, Todd, first of all, I would like to take this opportunity to tell the fans of the World Wrestling Federation, thank you. Thank you very much for, for their outpouring of concern for me. Um, the response from the fans of the World Wrestling Federation has been, uh, has been unbelievable. And I want them all to know that uh, Shawn Michaels is a man, is a person, is a superstar. However it is you look at him, it means a great deal to him. Thank you very much. How about physically, Shawn, your condition? How are you? I think I'm okay. Uh, I'm not suffering from any of the, uh, from any of the symptoms that uh, my doctors and everyone else claims that I have. Um, I haven't had any dizziness or any blackouts uh, lately. Right. And uh, so, to me, I feel fine. Would it surprise you to know that a lot of people are talking about you out there? No. About <laughs> me? I'm talking about the locker rooms, the internet, I mean all over the place, the innuendo, the speculation. Let's not deal with it specifically. Let's just center on one thing. When are you coming back? That's what everybody wants to know. When is Shawn Michaels going to return? Well, as far as I'm concerned, I would return today. But uh, there are some doctors and some people in higher places that don't, uh, that don't agree with me, which is... Which is not uncommon for me. So it's just a matter of me doing what I always do, and that's ignoring all the authority and just doing what I want to do. So right. uh, before long, I hope to be back in the ring very soon. You know, you, you said I was reading your own press and believing it, but seriously, I mean, it's got to be cool to be you. Huh. Intercontinental <laughs> champion a number of times, tag team champion a number of times. I mean, you weren't WWF champion, but, I mean, you've had an awesome career. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have. There, uh, there are some... Goals uh, left to be attained by Shawn Michaels. Everyone knows what those goals are. And uh, if it's all the same to everyone else, I'd like to stick around and, and see those goals through. Well, that being said, isn't, isn't that kind of in jeopardy? I mean, with the information that your doctor has given us about your physical condition, I mean, you've got to be facing what every athlete faces at some point in their career, you know, that being possible retirement. Is, is, is that what all this is for? Is that what all this is about? The lights, the camera? It's, it's not about your concern for me, obviously. It's, it's about you getting my reaction 
to that question on your camera, isn't it? Must be easy for you to sit there. But for me, to respond to a question like that, this is not a job, this is my livelihood. This is my life. This means more to me than just about anything I could ever possibly dream of. It's all the same to you. I'm, I'm not going to dignify that question. So that interview right there, I love the end of it with Todd asking Sean about retirement and kind of hinting at it throughout the whole interview, saying you've accomplished so much, but not, you know, you, you've, you know, you did so much, Sean, like talking in the past tense and then asks Sean about retirement. And Sean just looks annoyed and asks if, you know, as you heard, this is what it's all about. Not your concern for me, but just yeah. to get my reaction to that question. Right. He gets defensive about it. It was very good. It was. It was a solid, solid, serious segment here for, for Sean and Mr. Pettengill. Yeah, Todd didn't totally annoy me. Although, no. I think the person to earring ratio was probably like three to one. Was Todd so, wearing one too? I think Todd was wearing one and Sean, Sean was, was wearing three. Yeah, he was. So I think our ratio was a little off there. but right. And I also didn't like Sean's. Sean had a button collar shirt and he had the top button buttoned and there's two of them. So we had two buttons buttoned on the top and it looked like he was choking. Yeah, like he, he borrowed that shirt from Luger. Yeah, it was debut. Luger's shirt. From his debut. <laughs> Called him up and said, Lex! I need your shirt. Yep, and Lex it. just went, ah! <laughs> Right. Who's calling me? <laughs> right. Right. You're not Sting. <laughs> My best friend, My in, best the friend in the whole world. <laughs> Who is this? How'd you get my number? How'd you get my number? Back Bret Hart uh, hype video for Bret versus Bulldog. Uh, then we then go to our next match. Ahmed Johnson versus Jobber number one. I think his name is Stockhauser. Dean Douglas does a promo and says the final week is upon us. What Dean doesn't know is he needed to continue that by saying the final week is upon me for my employment. In this company. Yes. Um, <laughs> as far as the wetness meter, I have him at about a five. I for have him at about a, about a four. I've okay. seen him definitely with a lot more moisture, but well, I have I've, him as a four. I thought the same, but whenever Stockhauser hit him to start the match, I saw a bunch of it fly off. So I'm like, he's got to have it somewhere. Uh, at least, yeah, at least the five. Uh, Stockhauser attacks Johnson pre-match. Johnson with some lefts and a big botched spine buster. So what does Ahmed do? Do it again. Do it again. And he really hurt him. <laughs> Yeah, he was pissed off. And then it, was uh, it wasn't Ahmed's fault. No. Uh hits the pro over plunge for the win. Yeah, Nothing. and Stockhauser was kind of a bigger guy. Yep. So this it was kind was of impressive. Impressive for him to get a jobber like that up right. with pretty much ease in the pro rubber plunge. Yep. We go to break, we get a karate fighters commercial, which Travis loved. I love that. We yep. then get a hot shot basketball commercial, which I had. Oh, yeah, me too. Oh, man. I had the same I, exact one. thought I had one up on you. Nope. Ugh. Same exact one. And WrestleMania, the arcade game. Mm-hmm. Did you have that? I didn't have it until later. Yeah, I, I never got that. that one. And, of course, I think I've told the story that I used to play that at the arcade. They used yep. to have one at the mall here, and they had one of those, I'm pretty sure. 
Maybe it wasn't WrestleMania, I, but I know it was a wrestling game. I'm hoping they're making comebacks. Arcades. Like, I know there was, like, a lot of arcade bars, but there's and something there's... just about going to an arcade as a youth that was just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I love the one in Chicago, by the way. It has yeah. WrestleMania, I think. Yeah, you took me to that. We did go to that, yeah. After after All Out. After All Out, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it does have WrestleMania, the arcade game. I think we played ton. it for a little bit. It's a ton, ton of, of games. Ton of a lot of wrestling games. games. There's... Any sports game, a yep. lot of sports games. Yep. Yeah, it has a ton it's a of games. a fun place. Yeah. Now I want to go check it out Spend again. It's probably closed. Day. It's probably closed. It probably is. Back and Lawler is interviewing Ahmed. Lawler says that Ahmed is nervous and Dean knows all about Ahmed. Um, Lawler does a, a joke that wasn't good about Ahmed in the third grade. Yeah, he said that the joke came from Dean Douglas, but he said that Ahmed had the worst four years of his life in, in third, third grade. grade. Yeah. And then Johnson says, "That's all I got for Ahmed." I. He just said that, he, that Douglas didn't do his homework. Okay. On him. And Lawler, he he threatens Lawler, and then Lawler leaves and says that Johnson has an appointment with Dean Douglas on Sunday. Jerry, you don't make appointments with teachers. That's your dentist you're thinking of. <laughs> he will face Ahmed on Superstars. Right. <laughs> Maybe that's what he was thinking. Get your of. gimmicks right. That's what he was thinking. Doc's of. backstage with a Sean Denim jacket, and he has all the denim jackets for only fifty nine seventy five. Only in the US though. If you're in Canada where they love denim, nope. Don't care. Unfortunately you cannot get this. Nope. Now a bunch of Santas walk into a room and a little kid says that there was a guy who was said smoking was good and that wrestlers were wimps and that Santa isn't real. So then the other Santas attack him, and I think they were Hakushi, Yoko, Razor, and Ahmed who attacked the guy. You got it. And Razor gives him a Razor's Edge, and then it says Happy Holidays. And I thought, well, that was the weirdest thing I'm going to see all night. It was very weird, but I thought the guy that got beat up was Harvey Whoopleman. Oh, it may have been. I just thought it was a generic dude, but it may have been Harvey. Harvey. So I thought that was the weirdest thing I've seen all night. And then I go to a black and white video with Freddie Blassie talking about how we're going <laughs> to kick their butts. And I'm, I'm thinking, is what is this for? And it's, of course, for Robble. And Sid and Owen and Yoko and Isaac Yankum are all there cheering up. And they got pads on and eye black. And Blassie says, we're going to kick some butt. Yeah, he threw in a pencil neck geek in there, too. Because you're going to have Blassie on. you got to throw that line in If there. we have an award on this podcast... For the WTF moment of the week. Is this one? Those two back-to-back are the WTF moments of the week. Yeah, for sure. Especially the holidays one. Guess what? 50 bucks. You donate 50 bucks on Patreon, you can name the award. How's that? (laughs) That sounds good to me. All right. Uh, Back and Lawler says that he looked up to Blassie. He did. He said he implemented him in his career. Thanks, Jerry. (laughs) Sid Kidd and... Yeah, and King, he I've noticed it last week or earlier in the night, King's making a lot of jokes about Vince McMahon having a toupee. Yes, but as we found out at 23. That the joke? As we found out at WrestleMania 23, it's his real right. hair. So that seemed like the big running joke at the time that he had a toupee. Yeah, everyone said that for joke. years. I didn't think so. I, think it I never thought natural. so. Yeah. I mean, you don't take that many stunners and not have... 
a toupee fall off. We won't off. see that. I'm oh, <laughs> yeah. sorry. <laughs> we won't see that. Spoiling yet. the future. <laughs> right. Sid Kid DiBiase entering with Vince. Kid says that Ted is the spokesperson, so he won't talk to Vince, even though he'll talk at the end. Uh, DiBiase calls Razor a whiny greaseball. DiBiase calls the three of them a big happy family. But what about the rest of the million dollar corporation? I'm just imagining like it's Christmas time and DiBiase is there with Sid and Kid under the tree and they're opening gifts and Kama's just out in the cold, like with his hand on the window, like <laughs> oh, <laughs> looking on the inside. <laughs> like inside that used to be me. <laughs> Bundy's out in the yard rolled up in a ball. <laughs> Bundy. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot they were still in, yeah. the, in the corporation there. I don't think Bundy is Family. anymore, but yeah, I know not. Kama is. He was just on, right. yes, yeah. just last week. Uh, DiBiase says that after In Your House, they are going to be the top team um, and tells Kid not to worry about the people. Um, and he has three, Kid has three things. He says he doesn't worry about the people. He worries about winning. And most importantly is to get the money. Get the money. Great. But shouldn't you like the people? Because they'll pay for your merch and you'll get more money. Just saying. Kid says that Razor manipulated him and that he was a puppet and Razor was a puppet master. Um, He says that Marty's a great talent, but he carried him to the tag team title. Uh, Sid then says he feels sorry for Gennetti because he is a victim of circumstance because he chose the wrong partner. He doesn't feel sorry for Razor. Um, And Sid Sid says that they are family, and I noted as long as it isn't softball season. Exactly. Then, you know... (laughs) Family is family, but softball is softball. Softball comes first. Yeah, Sid says he feels sorry for Marty, and he isn't going to enjoy this. But then, ah, spoiler, he says he has to do this, but he isn't serious, and he's going to enjoy doing it. Sid with another great, confusing promo. Thanks, Sid. I love Sid. I didn't say I didn't like Sid, but it makes no sense. (laughs) It didn't make any sense, but he's psycho. It's not supposed to make sense. The easiest gimmick in all of wrestling. He's crazy. And I love this pairing. I don't know why they did, haven't done more. I wish they did more. Yeah. I wish they would have become this. tag team champs. Yeah. That would have been awesome. Nope. Not going to happen. <laughs> we think of a Yokozuna video as next week he will take on Razor Ramon for the Intercontinental title. Yoko's never been Intercontinental champ. Will it happen next week? Tune in to find we'll out. Wait and see. We then get a match, our finale match of the night, Bob Backlund versus Bret Hart. Mr. Bob Backlund. Sorry. We get a recap of Backlund's attack last week, and it's the first time Brett has wrestled on Raw since he won the belt. Oh, that's significant. We go to break, and we get a commercial for Ricochet RC, as well as NFL Quarterback Club 96, and Re- Rector Set. Yep, a Rector Set. There ain't no nothing else but 90s than that, a Rector Set. I want to know why this episode of Raw had all the commercials still in it. Right, yeah. They haven't gotten to editing this one on the network yet. <laughs> no. We're ahead of that them, Travis. Cool. <laughs> that was cool, though, seeing these commercials. And Raw, by the way, is brought to you by Tyco Haunted Highway, Burger King, and Got Milk. Are you going to have a dry cookie? That's what Vince yeah, said. he said something weird. Diana's shown again. Uh, Brett ducks Backlund and rides him until Backlund gets in the ropes. We get a test of strength. Brett with a go-behind. Backlund with one and a test strength and a head scissor by Backlund. Brett kips up. You get a front face lock. Lawler then interviews Diana. Diana says that if history repeats itself, uh, Davey will become champ and they will all go home happy. And she supports Davey and doesn't think people listened to him before. And she also likes Jim Cornette because he was able to get Davey a title shot when no one else could. Mm-hmm. 
nothing promo. Nothing interview. Good nothing job, of value Diana. here. Yeah. Thanks for showing up. Yeah. Brett with a waist lock, but Bob gets to the ropes. Brett drops Bob off the apron to break. Back with a back slab by Brett for two. Backlund goes out to the floor. Blackland rolls back in the ring and goes right outside again. Brett brings Bob in by the arm. Brett's working over the arm, which makes no sense. You're Brett Hart. Your finisher is the sharpshooter. Work over the leg. Backlund gets in the cross face, but Brett gets to the rope. Backlund with Brett's arm over the middle rope, and he snaps it down. Uh, Bob now working over the left arm of Brett. Snapmare by Bach, Backlund and an elbow to Brett's shoulder. Backlund with a stomp to the shoulder. Uh, take down by the arm. Backlund then rubs his forearm on Brett's arm, which was... I don't know how that's supposed to hurt. It just... Digging the elbow into your arm, I don't know. I don't know. It didn't look like he was digging anything. Yeah. I wasn't digging this match. <laughs> no. Uh, elbow to the shoulder by Backlund. Backlund keeps working over the arm. Uh, Bob with a big right. Uh, goes back to the arm. Brett reverses, but Bob picks him up. But Brett falls on him for two. Small package for two. We go to break. That's our second commercial break of this match. Back and Brett with a punch to the gut and a Russian leg sweep for two. Brett with a backbreaker. We then see the ad for Vince being live on AOL. Brett with a second rope elbow. Brett goes for the sharpshooter, but uh, Bulldog, he sees Bulldog, so he lets go. But the ref calls for the bell anyways. Bulldog didn't do anything. He got in the ring, but... Um, and while Brett has his back turned, Backlund puts him in the chicken wing. Bulldog then attacks Brett while he's in the chicken wing. Um, Brett's still in the chicken wing. Bulldog keeps stomping on him. Backlund finally lets go of the chicken wing. Bulldog attacks again. Backlund then puts on another chicken wing. The crowd starts chanting for Diesel as Bulldog and Backlund look at each other, both with crazy eyes. Bulldog had crazy eyes looking at Backlund. And Backlund leaves while Brett is laid out, and the show just kind of ends. Right. Uh, a few things here. Bull, Bulldog and Brett up until this point, really, and they didn't really interact Mm-mm. here. It was just Bulldog, but no interaction between nope. these two, and they're supposed to have a world title match on pay-per-view that you're supposed to tune into. I, I don't understand that. Why the disqualification? What are you protecting here? You're protecting Mr. Bob Backlund. For what? I'm going to tell you for what, Travis. He has a dark match on the pay-per-view. Great. Mm-hmm. Great. I I don't get it. Yeah. I'm like you. I didn't like this match. No. Nope. And I don't know if you noticed it, and I noticed it a previous time as well. Uh, when I saw King, King was talking, but he's not out mm-hmm. next to Vince. Yep. And Vince is talking, and I don't see his mouth moving. No, either. It's all put it in post. Thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's just because weird this show and was jarring. recorded. I know three weeks ago. I know. So. But it's still jarring to see as a viewer right. that this person is talking, but his lips aren't moving, and the guy that's talking isn't even there. But I see yep. them on screen. Yep. It's very weird to me. And I don't like it. That's your go home show. Did that get you hyped to buy the pay per view, Travis? No. No. Let's take a look at that pay-per-view, shall we? Yep. We got uh, Marty and Razor taking on Kid and Sid. Ahmed versus Dean Douglas. Henry Godwin versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley in the Arkansas Hogapen match. Owen and Diesel. Undertaker and Mabel in a casket match. And Brett versus Bulldog for the title. 
Yay. I've seen SummerSlam 92, so I know what Brett and Bulldog can do. Are you ready for something that I'm I'm so happy about with this pay-per-view coming up? Are you ready? Mm-hmm. What's that? Two matches go above 10 minutes. That's it. Yeah, super short then. Super short. If you were live, because this is a in-your-house, there are dark matches. Would you like to hear the dark matches? <laughs> sure. That if you were... In Hershey in Park, you would have seen mm-hmm. Savio beat Bob Backlund in the opening match Mr. in 422. That's why we had to keep him strong, so Savio could beat him in the dark, dark match. Uh. After the pay-per-view, there were two dark matches, as Goldust beat Duke Drozzi in 638. Mm-hmm. And Barry Horowitz, Hakushi, and the Smoking Guns... <laughs> what a team. ...beat the Bonnie Donnas of Skip and Zip... Mm-hmm. Isaac Yankum and Yokozuna <laughs> at 11.38. Wow. By the way, what a show closer. we have not seen who Zip is. I don't know who that is. You don't know. Oh, I know, but I can't know yet. You cannot reveal that yet. No. Nope. No. So we're going to enter a weird time force with that person specifically if he shows up soon. Mm-hmm. Because on one show... He's going to have skip hair. And on the other show, he's going to have his long hair. Mm. See what I mean? We're entering a weird... Yeah, Twilight Zone. Yeah. Someone has stolen our time machine. (laughs) All right. Ready to move on to Nitro? Yeah. WCW Monday Nitro, live from Charlotte, which Bischoff calls the home of NASCAR. Flair. This is Flair Country. Flair Country. Fireworks to start the show. I think this is the first time we've had fireworks to start the show. As many as they had. Right, yeah. I think we've had him in the entranceway on the set, but I don't remember him in kind of above the ring and whatnot. Yep, yep. Mongo says that Hogan better look out for Sting, and Bobby wonders who you can trust, and I'm sure you're going to talk about Pepe. Yes, I am, because they are matching this week. Mongo is in a leather jacket, and Pepe also has a leather jacket on. Great. So they're matching. Matching outfits. That's great. That makes me so happy. Hey, I'm I'm happy for Mongo. He's an innovator. He was, before his time, having an emotional support animal. Before his time? Mm -hmm. He didn't hear emotional support animals until at least, like, 2012 or 2006. I'm not a fan of Mongo. He can go away. So, we, the announcers are talking. And then all of a sudden, we just kind of cut to the ring and there's a match going on. You see, Eric, because they're at the home of NASCAR. They're oh. getting started quick and fast. Gotcha. Like, gotcha. They're jump-starting like NASCAR Gotcha. Does. Okay. That's what we're going so for So it's here. Mr. JL versus Eddie Guerrero. Eddie with a big clothesline. Uh, springboard, but JL moved. Eddie tilts a world backbreaker for two. Eddie with a slam and a slingshot splash. Eddie with a belly-to-back for two. Eddie with an abdominal stretch. Uh, JL with an arm drag and then a second one. Eddie, though, catches JL with an atomic drop. JL with a head scissors. Eddie then with a top rope arm drag. JL puts Eddie up top and hits a springboard drop kick out to the floor. He kind of botched it a little bit, but it wasn't too bad. JL with a rolling senton, then off the apron. JL with a cover for two. JL with a big suplex for two. JL with a drop kick in the corner. Eddie with a roll up, but JL reverses it. But Eddie reverses it back again and gets him up for a win. 
Mm-hmm. I liked how Mongo put over Eddie heavily yeah, in this he match. Likes him. He, he likes, likes Eddie. Eddie, so he tried to put him over. And, and the crowd popped for the win. They did. They they didn't really react too much while what was going on in the ring, but right. when Eddie scored the pin, they did. And what I was talking about earlier was that Bobby Heenan in the match said that, because they were talking about the World Cup mm-hmm. and Starcade, that the Team Japan was here yes. in the United States, so yes. they're not going to have any jet lag yep. by the time Starcade they're training. rolls around. They're training in, in the, the Rocky Smoky Mountains. Mountains. Smoky Mountains. Yes. And so they're here. They're in America Because right when you're going to have the World Cup, when you're going to have the battle for a Japan invasion, you have it in Nashville. Exactly. I mean... <laughs> Exactly. The birthplace of country music is where they're coming to invade. Mm-hmm. And during this fast-paced action, uh, Eric Bischoff does squeeze in a where the big boys play in there as well. So take a drink. Thank you. <laughs> Gene in the entryway with Luger and Jimmy Hart. Um, this time, Luger and Jimmy Hart immediately get the high five in. They did. Immediately. I made note of that. <laughs> Jimmy Hart does not leave him hanging. This <laughs> not time. this time. And I hope that becomes the gimmick because when he comes out later, they yes. high five again. So I want Luger and Jimmy Hart, as soon as they come out, to just start high fiving. Yeah, I noticed it earlier. Uh, Jimmy says that Luger is the uncrowned heavyweight champion. We get a replay from Halloween Havoc and from World War Three. And Luger talks about how every time he has Savage beat, something happens to where he cannot cash in. Uh, Luger says he owns Savage. And it was kind of a nothing promo from Luger, so part of the course for him. Although he wasn't reading this time, so that's good. No. He, wasn't I couldn't see. Down. he kept looking off screen, though. So, um, mm. maybe. Need to watch maybe that, he Lug- was. Luger. We get a graphic that up next, it'll be Orndorff versus Disco. We then get a Starcade promo again, and they fix the day of the week this time. It does say Wednesday instead of Sunday. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, our next match is Mr. Wonderful versus Disco. Disco's out in his white suit. Mr. Wonderful out singing his song. And I don't know why it makes me laugh. Oh, both of these songs yep. are, are great. Disco Beba. Yeah, that that's great. But we get full Whoa. entrances for Disco Inferno and Mr. Wonderful. Wonderful. But, but we skip Mr. JL and Eddie. I could see skipping JL. But By the way, Eddie. though. Mr. Wonderful has his new mirror. We talked about this on Saturday night. It's his new black mirror, and he started the hashtag trend. I was going to say. He has I, hashtag he did, wonderful. He did. Yeah. Yeah, I did so, notice the hashtag. Speaking of trendsetters. Before, before Twitter was a thing. 95. <laughs> oh, hashtags. I'm sorry. That's a number sign because it said number <laughs> yeah. one. Uh, My bad. I just gotcha. I just thought it was. It's just a yep. natural that you would assume it's a hashtag. Hey, hey I'm a child of now <laughs> disco attacks mr wonderful before the bell disco with a few rights disco with an elbow few stomps disco chokes mr wonderful more stomps to wonderful wonderful look comes back with a back elbow a kick a few rights mr wonderful with his famous left hand that left hand that's made him famous aka hit vader with yeah i was gonna say eric bischoff throws yep. it in that little yep. little jab yep. there <laughs> and i wondered if that was a yep. little inside baseball right there Atomic drop and a running elbow from Mr. Wonderful. Wonderful with a dancing elbow to the throat. Um, wonderful then with a side suplex for the win with his foot on the rope. And he, for a reason. For no reason. It's not mentioned by commentators at all. And Wonderful looks very sad as he leaves. He looks very sad and he was huffing and puffing. He was. He's like blown up. Yep. <laughs> and it wasn't even that long of a match. It wasn't. I don't he's know. He's blown up. I'm tired. 
tired. He spends no time in the ring, pinfall, and he's gone back yep. to the back. Going back to the back. Because we got to get to the next segment. We do. And our next segment is our first ever award winner, Travis. Is it? We have a new award on this show. We do. We do. And it's for the, the thing you got to seek out this week, the money segment of the week. Money train coming. Money train coming. Money train coming. I'm on my money train. This segment is the money segment of the week. I do. This, this, if they were people outside the arenas who heard that this segment was going on, from the promo to what happens at the end of the segment, they would run into the stands and fill them. Really? This was the best thing of the week. Tell you what is money though is though those horseman shirts. Well, yes, of course they. I are. want one of those right now. He Give wants a horseman me. shirt right I now. I don't want a denim jacket. I want those horseman shirts. So what happens is Gene is out with the horsemen, Flair, Pillman, and Arn, and Gene. But no Benoit. No Benoit. He's in Japan probably. I know, but he's training for Starcade in Japan. He's reverse psychology. But we've never seen the. Group we have together. not seen all. World War Three. they were all together in the Battle Royal. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> we never saw a shot of all four no, of them exactly. together. But um, Gene asks what it is like to be a horseman, and Pillman says it's uh, to Pillman. Pillman says it's the moment of a lifetime. Pillman said Hogan wanted to be a horseman, but and Hogan played the bad guy, but he took off his blacks and he th- threw it in the trash bin, but they can't take out their black hearts. Um and at this point, I put I really want a Pillman Hogan feud, and I'm sad we're never cool. gonna get it. Yeah, that would been cool. Uh, he said that the American males and Steve McMichaels sent Flair and Arn eight by tens, and he's not gonna say it was on him, but he said that McMichaels very flexible for a football player. <laughs> Taking a shot at Mongo, and Pillman's going off his rocker, he does. and and you can see the loose cannon of Brian Pillman right here, and you can see Flair and Arn kind of looking. A little annoyed, like they don't know kind of what's going Where he's on. Going with this, yeah. And he, Pillman just keeps rambling, and Flair finally takes over. Like I can't take this anymore. I gotta kind of get us back on track here. And, um, and Orkelin was also trying to get him back. Yeah, on track yeah. Too. Um, Orndorff comes out uh, because Pillman said that Orndorff had wanted to be a horseman as well, um, but he just can't cut it anymore. So Orndorff comes out and he says that he respects Flair and he respects Arn, but he calls Pillman a punk. Um, and Orndorff says that he could have been a horseman, and if he would have been, Pillman wouldn't be a horseman today. Um, Arn tries to talk to him. Pillman starts talking, and Arn tells Pillman to shut up. Um, so again, I like the dynamics here of what's going on with Pillman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Pillman says that if Orndorff was a man's man, he would attack him, which again, inside baseball, I think that's what Vader said to Orndorff too. Of and Bischoff on commentary was kind of like, don't let him, he's got a, he's got a fuse. We know it. <laughs> yeah. And I liked Bobby in this segment as well, because he used to manage Orndorff. So he's kind of like, Hey, he's managed three out of the four people here. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one he hasn't managed is Pillman. Uh, Orndorff says that Pillman shouldn't be a horseman, and at that point, Pillman slaps him, and Orndorff attacks um, 
Pillman. Yeah, because he was kind of insulting him by saying that only Pillman's kind of just there to yeah. carry the bags, carry the bags and, and stuff. And he's not a real a horseman. Real horseman. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so Orndorff attacks after Pillman slaps him. Flair and Arn then try to pull him off, but then they start attacking Orndorff, and Flair and Arn hit a spike pile driver on the concrete, and they lay out Orndorff, and he is done. And they put this over as a huge injury, and Bobby is very concerned and yep. talking about how he's not moving and his mouth is open and he's got a history of neck issues. And Yeah, and Mongo also with the – this is where his expertise comes yes. in as a football player. He sells it big yep. by saying this kind of what, ha- what happened this weekend yep. in the NFL, and this is how serious it is because it could happen – neck injury happens in the NFL like this too. Yep. And so we go to break. We then come back and we get our Saturday Night Hype, which is very subdued from Bischoff. He's not really mm-hmm. talking about it. And we come back and the medical team is now working on Orndorf, putting him on a stretcher. And Bobby's out there as well by the yeah, medical right personnel, there. again, to kind of put over the realness of it. Mm-hmm. And I just thought from beginning to end, the Pillman promo, the fact it's in Charlotte, the crowd was hot for Flair. They were. This was just a money segment. Mm-hmm. It shows you that that still this is a new incarnation of the Horsemen, but they're still they're still dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I like how Pillman started all of it, but he didn't get his hands dirty. He didn't yeah, do a single thing. Flair and Arn did the spike pile driver, and Pillman just kind of laughed the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so it makes me really wish that this incarnation of the horseman would have stuck together long term. Yep. Because I would have loved for Brian to become the mastermind. Yeah. Because that looks like kind of where they're going. Like he's right. he's the one pulling the strings. He's the puppet master. Right. For yeah, Arn and Arn and Flair. Yeah, cuz he he totally started that whole thing and Arn was trying to cool down Orndorff and Flair was even like, "No, I respect you" kind of thing. And then the moment they attack Pillman because he knows when you jump on a horseman, the other ones are going to attack him yeah, too. Right. He didn't have to get his hands dirty at all. Right. Yeah. It's like a exactly. It's kind of like a little pipsqueak, like boss, right. like a, a villain mm-hmm. who has you know big bodyguards behind him. Yeah. Like. Yep. Good stuff. And, and also in the back of my mind, I'm left to wonder, and I don't know if you thought this way. In the back of my mind, what did we just see on Monday Night Raw? Someone mm. getting hurt, mm-hmm. someone getting yep. stretchered out yep. and laid out. And I said, is Bischoff doing this? Oh, they did an injury angle, so we have to do an injury angle. We can one-up them. It could have been, but I do know, and we'll talk about it more next week, Orndorff did need neck surgery. Right. So this, this was used to written him way. out. Yeah. Um, which, after he had done all the stuff with Gary Spivey, I guess you had to write him off. He couldn't just go away. Right. So, I guess if you're going to have to write him out because he's going to be gone for a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. This is a pretty impactful way to do oh, it. definitely. And he's got a built-in feud when he comes back. Mm-hmm. He was kind of acting facey in his match. So it, Except for putting his foot on the rope. Yeah, which... <laughs> that was just him. And he was facing Disco, so of course you're going to get right. cheered when you're facing Disco. So, I thought that was a it great was a segment. Gr- it was yep. a great segment. Bobby then comes back to the announce table and says that Orndorff's in a lot of pain, but he can't talk. He's just making noises. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, um, as the Southern match gets going, I hope he wasn't seriously hurt. 
because they took their sweet time getting him taken care of. They did. Uh, They're just being careful, being cautious. I guess so. Got to be careful. With go to our next hot match: Luger versus Duggan. I believe I saw this on a Raw in '93. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. When he was the narcissist. This is the ho versus the ow. Yeah. Ow. I will make note of that later on. Uh, Duggan at one point yells, "Come on, Luger! Come on!" Duggan attacks Luger. Luger though with a knee to the gut, and I put this is between two of the loudest wrestlers. In WCW. Pretty well. Uh, Orndorff is still being treated. Uh, he gets put on a stretcher in the middle of the match. Duggan with a punch and a whip and a hip toss. Duggan with a clothesline and elbow. Make it a second elbow. Duggan then with a front face lock and a club to the back. Orndorff then gets loaded into the ambulance. So while this match is going on, taking their time. Making they're, sure they're he's... he's yeah. Sweet time. And commentary again. Putting over Duggan's take Irish fist ability fist in his background. Roots. Yeah. His grandma. Uh, Luger starts fighting back. We get a clothesline again by Hacksaw. Duggan then gets out the tape. And Luger clotheslines. Jimmy Hart's up on the apron. He's got the two by four. Duggan's going after Jimmy Hart. Mm -hmm. Luger clotheslines him from behind. And Duggan, I think, hits his head on the two by four. Yeah. I think that's what was supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. An accident. And then Luger racks him for the win. And the crowd starts chanting for Luger at the end of this match. Yeah, this crowd likes some some Luger, and they thought mm-hmm. it was impressive that he got him in the torture rack. And Bobby Heenan said, "Oh, there's no way he gets him up." Yep. And then he does right away. And did you notice how much louder this the crowd was for this match as opposed to the first two matches? First two matches, they were kind of dead. They were. Do you want to know why they were dead? Why? Because during the first because two matches, disco. No. During the first two matches, they were confiscating anti-Hogan signs. And so the crowd was a little upset that people who had brought anti-Hogan signs were having their signs confiscated. Yeah. You know, if that would happen today, they would still be chaining Hogan sucks yep. during the whole entire time. And yep. You would probably confiscate them before they get to their seats and yep. before they're out to the arena. That's just a thought. Yep. Yep. Back with Gene. And what do they expect? They're in Charlotte, for God's sake. Exactly. In and who's, who's in the main event against the Horsemen? Yeah. That's why I was surprised they actually did this, that yeah. they had to have known that it was going to be flair country, oh, that yeah. Hogan would get this type of reaction. Yep, I think so. I mean, had you had known. to know. Uh, we come back, Gene and Savage. Gene runs down Savage's upcoming schedule, including a world title match next week against the Giant. Savage says, so he, I'm not thinking about Starcade. I'm thinking about Nitro next week. Uh-huh. He says he's going to explode like dynamite on TNT. Dynamite. Dynamite. TNT. Hmm. That's a good name for a show. A show. Yeah, a wrestling show. Hmm. But what network do we put it on? You put it on TNT. Ah, Dynamite. TNT. Sounds like a good name. Hmm. I think we are seeing where people are getting their ideas from. We're here. We're watching this. Possibly. Get a Slim Jim commercial. I love the position of it right after Savage. Savage so I don't know if that was planned or not, but uh, come back and we get lots of pyro for Flair and Arn um, as they make their way out for our main event. And then we go to break. Of course, got to go to break before Sting and Hogan come out before, yep, so you can tell your friend. Yep. Call your friends up. You get another Starcade promo. And then Sting, Sting is out as we come back. Um, but the, crowd, the announcers are kind of like, oh, where's Hogan? They're not coming out as a team. And I didn't make anything of it just because it's like they're not a team. Sure. So... Yeah. 
And also when we come back from break, we get a squeezed in that they're live. Yes. And where the big boys play. Yes. So take a drink. Yes. Hogan on his way out, though, but he doesn't get any music or anything. No. The Sting's music was kind of still playing. Yeah. He he gets, I'm sorry, he doesn't get any of his music or pyro or lighting or anything like that. He had the shirt on last week, but it's tie-dye Hogan. It's tie-dye Hogan. That's right. (laughs) I was waiting. Basically. Hogan rips his shirt off, throws it at Flair, and the crowd immediately starts chanting, Hogan sucks. Hogan sucks. Immediately. And Hogan looks a little taken aback. And I'm like, you shouldn't be. You know where you are. Don't take it personal, Hogan. Flair's hometown. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Sting and Arn start the match. Arn with a headlock. Sting pushes off, but Arn with a nice fireman's carry counter. Arn with a headlock and a hammerlock. Arn then with a double axe handle, a club to the back. Sting with a drop down leapfrog press slam. Hogan then with a punch to Arn. Arn wants Hogan, so Sting tags out. Arn, though, says timeout, and he tags in Flair. So we get Hogan versus Flair, and immediately Hogan with a big shoulder block. Tie up Flair with a chop that Hogan doesn't sell. Yeah, and I always liked when Bobby Heenan said, hello. 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 Yes. Uh, Hogan with a kick, uh, eye rake, a backdrop to Flair, and a clothesline. Flair goes up and over, and he runs onto the apron, but then Sting kind of does a bell clap around his ears. Um, Flair then pokes Hogan's eye. Flair then starts working over Hogan in the corner. Uh, Arn tags in on Hogan's and starts attacking Hogan's left arm. Flair then tags in. Hogan with a clothesline tags in Sting. Sting with a press slam. Sting with a hip toss. A drop kick for two. Flair, though, with a knee. Flair with a punch to the head. Flair with a headlock takeover, but Sting gets it into a backslide for two. Sting with Flair in the corner, but Sting gets an atomic drop. Arn tags in, but Arn gets caught and slammed. Sting with a scorpion, but Flair comes in to break that up. Arn hits a DDT on Sting, and the whole time the announcers are putting over how Sting and Hogan are not communicating. They're not working as a right, team. They're not, even they're not looking contact. at each other. Uh, so Sting, Arn hits a DDT on Sting. Hogan then gets mad at the ref because he keeps trying to come in. The ref's like, no, you got to get away, and that gives the heels, of course, a chance to... Get the advantage. Luger and Jimmy Hart come in. Um, Luger takes Hogan off the apron. Luger then sends Hogan into the corner, and he racks Hogan on the floor. Flair and Arn then work on Sting's leg, and yeah, Flair like, tags in. I was like, you know, Luger, I understand they're trying to get the Hogan, but your best friend in the whole wide world is getting double team right and now. So here's the thing I didn't like about this. All right, and Flair tags in. They're working on Sting two on one. Hogan's on the floor. This should have been the end. Yeah. That should have been the end. But instead, we go another 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. As Flair hits a big knee drop to the leg, Flair with a big chop, Arn tags in, he stomps at Hogan, who's trying to get back in the ring. Yeah, it did seem like they worked over Sting's leg yeah, for quite a, a while. Yeah, a little bit too this. long. Yeah, I, I think, think I a little bit too long. Uh, Sting does start fighting back, but Hogan wasn't in the corner for the tag, and I guess that's why the match couldn't end there. You had to have the moment where Sting tries to get the tag and Hogan's not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Horseman back in control. Flair tags in, attacks Sting's knee. Flair with a few kicks to the knee. Arn takes the knee over the apron. Flair goes for the figure four. Arn gives him the advantage, but Hogan tries to stop it. Flair starts slapping Sting. Did he not learn anything from World War Three? No, he did not. Obviously not. Sting hulks up, starts dragging Flair to the corner. The tag is made, but ah, oh, the ref didn't see it because Arn came in. I love that. Arn now in illegally and attacks the leg. Arm with a few knees and a kick to the leg. 
Flair then tags in, stomps on Sting's leg again. Sting starts to absorb the pain of Flair's chops. He's just standing there. He's not hawking up or anything. He's just standing there. Yep, I like that. Flair up top, and of course, if it's a Sting-Flair match, and Flair goes up top, he's getting slammed. He gets slammed for two. Sting trying to make the tag, but Flair held onto the leg. Arn in, and he hits Hogan again. Sting counters Arn with the front first bulldog. Uh, Sting up and heads to Hogan, and Hogan tags in. Arn, though, hits a spine buster immediately, but Hogan, oh, of course. Crazy oh, they did. Buster. And it was a good-looking spine buster, and Hogan just stands up yeah, no-selling. No, he no-sells it. Absolutely. <laughs> Fuck you, Hogan. That's right. You stay down, That's and right. you take the spine buster like take a man. like a man, brother. God damn it, Hogan. <laughs> Hogan with three rights, big boot, one for Flair. Hogan with the leg drop while Sting splashes Flair, and LOL, Hogan wins. Yep. At least he didn't pin Flair. He still won. He did win. He shouldn't have won. I know. I know. Pillman out to attack Sting. Now it's three on two on Sting and and Hogan, but Luger comes out and he tells Pillman to leave Sting alone and to go beat up Hogan. So he does. Sting, though, is trying to get to Hogan, but Luger's kind of stopping him from doing that. Um, Sting, however, does clear out the ring, but then Savage comes out, and Sting just straight up hits Savage in the face. He does. And Savage then slaps Sting, and Gene's in the ring, and Gene wants to know what's up with Sting, and Hogan asks what's going on, because we can't talk to Sting. we got to talk to Hogan first, and Hogan's got to ask what's going on, and Savage... When Sting did hit Savage, he does just straight up hit him, yeah. but Sting just immediately Immediately you see it. it. Yeah. He regrets you, it after You, you he did see it. it. Um, and Savage says that he hates Luger, and he wants to know what's going on. Sting says that last week he hit Hogan, and he didn't mean it, but I think he meant to say that Hogan hit him because he didn't hit Hogan. Right, Hogan yeah. hit him, yeah. and Sting knows he didn't mean it. Uh, Sting says it was an accident. He hit in Savage, and he wishes he could take it back. Uh, Hogan says that Savage needs to calm down. Savage then says we all need to take a chill pill. And Savage wants Sting to be with them if that's cool. And Sting says that's cool. And Savage then says we all got giant problems. Worst promo from these three yet. And then the second week in a row... This is the segment that we get. Mm-hmm. I kind of understand it from a perspective of last time it was Hogan accidentally hitting Sting, and this time it was Sting, quote-unquote, accidentally or mm-hmm. in the heat of the moment hitting Savage, but it almost basically is the same type of ending. That's why I think the ending should have been Horseman winning, Horseman attacking Hogan and Sting, right. and that's the end. You don't need this little promo at the end. Why can't you just, in Charlotte, have the horseman stand tall? Yep. Because it puts Flair over for the triangle match. Yep, it does. He's the only one who hasn't been positioned as a strong person. And we've already seen that these guys, these guys buried the hatchet at World War III. Yes. I said it last week, too. Yes. They keep bringing it up. Mm -hmm. I thought we were good, guys. No. I guess Apparently not. not. Because accidents happen, and that gets me very personally offended. Mm-hmm. So we go back to the announcers. Bischoff talks about next week. Uh, Heenan, although my notes says Herman. Herman. <laughs> Heenan predicts that we'll have a new world champion. Mongo says tempers have been flaring, and that's the end. 
least that's it cut off on my my network at that point. That was so. the end. Wow. I don't know, Travis. <laughs> Nitro's so close to being really good. It is. It is so close. But they it's they right they just keep failing, and it, it unfortunately it's the main events. Right. Like I was fine with the entire undercard, even Disco Orndorff. Yeah, you had to have the match for right. Orndorff. So you could kind of establish him that he is a, a little bit of a face, and when he comes out later... For a reason to come out. Right, right, exactly. Besides like, hey, I just down. I just won. I just won my match. What are you right. talking about? Yep. So, and I guess maybe... I don't know. I think it would have been a little stronger to have Benoit there with the horseman, but at the same time, for like half a second, you're like... Well, maybe Orndorff would fit in. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, maybe you could think about that for half a second. Um, but they're so close to being really right good. There. And they just can't do it. And they and Hogan keeps fucking everything up. <laughs> fucking it up. Thanks, Hogan. <laughs> We're allowed to say that on this podcast, right? We are. Good. We Fuck are. Hogan. <laughs> <sighs> He makes me so mad. Yeah. I and then agree. the and then the news about how he booked the end of the finish on the fly for the battle royal got me even madder. Mm-hmm. With that being said, Travis, it is it is time to figure out who won the week. I'll give you a minute. All right, Travis. It is right. time to figure out who won this week. Well, again, it's, it's not really by a lot. I don't think. But okay. I kind of hate to keep just giving it to him by default, but I enjoyed Nitro more than Raw. You enjoyed Nitro more than Raw. I did. Even though we know that the outcome should have been Flair and Arn winning, but that main event I enjoyed more than anything that I did on Raw. I like I love Bret Hart, but there's no reason for him to be facing Mr. Bob Backlund, and it was boring as hell. Okay, first of all, quit saying Mr. Bob Backlund. It <laughs> really annoys he me. Is. It really annoys me. No, That's he's he is. Bob freaking Backlund. And he needs to go back to 1983, where his wrestling comes from. We're in the new generation, Bob. Get out of here. But we got to keep him strong, too. Get out of here. (laughs) He can't take a loss. You said it was close. This is not even close. These two shows are in two different stratospheres. Nitro is the clear winner. Nitro didn't have a single job match. Raw had two. Yeah. And a match between two women that are not being put over as they should be. Mm-hmm. They're being commentaries making jokes about them. Yeah. The Sean interview was probably better than any of the interviews on WCW. I will give WWF that. The Sean program and what they're doing with Sean is working mm-hmm. at this point. But nothing else on that show is good. Right. Take the rest of it and throw it in the trash. Mm-hmm. You don't need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't need it. It's The Backlund-Bret Hart match was awful. 
The Ahmed Johnson match was a blink and miss. Uh, we went so long. I mean, in in between after the Ahmed match. All right, so you had the the Aja Kong match, which wasn't very long. Then you had the long talking segment with Sean. Then you had the short Ahmed match. Then you had the Karate Fighters commercial, the Lawler interview, Doc backstage, the Santas, the black and white video, the Sid and Kid interview, the video hype for next week before we finally got another match. Right. There's way too few wrestling on this show for it to win. So. Right, so you understand when Bischoff says that this is the wrestling show where they actually wrestle. So who There's won this true. week? For us both, WCW, they're going straight to the top this week here on the Two Fans Review Wrestling Podcast. I guess my reason is just I hate to say that we're shitting on Raw all the time and that we just kind of pick Nitro by default, but it is the best thing going, and I'm enjoying WCW a lot more. It it is. It is the best. top to bottom. And like I said, the main event scene is a little wishy-washy. I wish it would get cleaned up. But other than that, the rest of the show, pretty much, besides commentary, is pretty good top to bottom. Yeah, top to bottom. You start out with Mr. JL and Eddie. Mm-hmm. The Orndorf disco match, I think if it would have went another three minutes, would have hurt WCW. I think it was I perfectly timed. I Orndorf, too. It, it, yes. <laughs> it was blown up. I, I think it was the perfect amount of time. Same thing with Doug and Luger. Perfect amount of time. The main event was too long. The main event was non-finishy. Hogan winning is BS. But if you saw that match and you had to decide what match am I going to watch, the main event, am I going to watch Bret Hart or Mr. Bob Backlund, then I'm watching Flair and Arn versus Sting and Hogan because it has the star power. Absolutely it does. No question about it. Nitro wins this week. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be interested next week. We're going to be coming off a pay-per-view for the WWF, and we're not going into a pay-per-view for WCW. We still have two Nitros, including Christmas Day. Christmas Day is the go-home Nitro mm-hmm. for Starcade. Mm-hmm. How about that? So how is that going to factor in? Mm-hmm. How's that going to... You're putting a world title match next week on Nitro yep. to counteract Trying to the, counter. the post pay-per-view show which always used to get a good rating yep yep so we'll have to wait and see but until that time Travis I think that does it for this week what do you think does it well I'm gonna leave you with some uh, words of wisdom please do from uh, this one this week comes from Mr. Macho Man Randy Savage saying that problems problems how are we gonna solve them one at a time one at a time. I like that. That's it. I like that. You gotta solve them one, one at a time. If you got a lot of problems. One problem you don't have to worry about is the Two Fans Review Wrestling Podcast. We'll be right here next week looking at In Your House, Raw, Nitro, ECW, Saturday Night Superstars. If you maybe were at In Your House or you remember watching it, Email us your review of it at twofansreview at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as patreon.com slash twofanspodcast. And as my quote of the week, as Terry Funk would say, 
I'll see you on down the road. This isn't goodbye. I got money. I'll buy a plane and come up here and see y'all.